Welcome back to Be Right. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Steve Hennessy and Chris Powers. Uh, unfortunately, we're not actually in the same room again. That was fun last week when we uh, we did that pod from Hudson National after the Golf Digest Sites Cup. But we're back on Zoom, uh, and we've got a great guest today. We want to welcome Tom Jacobs. He's a contributor to the Mayo Media Network and Odds Checker. He's host of the Lost Four Pod. Tom, welcome to the show, man. You're coming to us uh, from Kent, England. I am indeed, Alex. Nice thank you, you. For, uh, for a lovely welcome. Yes, it's, uh, it's dark and, and miserable here in England, which is pretty much what England's like all the time. So uh, no change <laughs> there. And uh, look, it's, it's great to be a part of this, guys. So thank you very much. Yeah, and tell us. Tell us about your background there. It, yeah, uh, you had a nice week, I understand. Yeah, so for the people that are you know listening rather than watching, as I think that's for everyone, um, I've got a picture of JB Hansen next to my head, um, which you know I was kind of showing off on the Mayo Media Network last night. Um, you know, <laughs> loads of people start following you once you get a winner, and I have to try and pump the brakes <laughs> with people and say this isn't going to happen every week. Um, so <laughs> while it's happening, he, he's up there in the background. Um, but it was actually really successful. We, we've had. The first and second place uh, finishes in two of the last three weeks on the on the Lost Words podcast. So it's been a pretty good run. Um, Very nice. It's not sustainable at all. Um, so I'll probably give you all the really bad takes this week when uh, making <laughs> the, the debut here. <laughs> uh, Tom is one of the the Euro experts. So you know, a yeah. coming off of a win, great time, but heading into the DP World Tour Championship this week, I, I thought it was a great week to to have Tom on. We've been waiting to do it, so. Um, pumped to have him on in that background too yeah and it's the last ever european tour event officially as they transition into the that's right the dp world tour which i we haven't got long enough today to, for me to, to talk about all the different ramifications of that but um <laughs> yeah yeah th th there's a lot going on there yeah for sure we will get to that uh first let's talk a little about what happened in houston at the houston open where steve i mean we almost had maybe the biggest upset in golf history, at least in the PGA tour. Uh, Martin trainer was listed as high as 2000 to one odds, I believe before yeah. the tournament. And, and he, you know, and it, what's crazy is that he's actually a PGA tour winner, right. but he's fallen so far in the 70 events since that win at the Puerto Rico open uh, 60 missed cuts, zero top 25s, 25, 70 Insane. events. Yeah, just brutal. And here he is. He takes the lead and even had the lead on the back nine uh, come Sunday. He couldn't quite get it done. He's still a T5. Amazing effort by him. Uh, but uh, Steve, I mean, that would have been an all-timer. <laughs> One of my favorite stats from last week, you brought it up, Myers, was only two guys bet on Martin Trainer. I think they put $2 on him. That was from Jeff yeah. Sherman at the Westgate. So not a lot of liability there. And then CP's boy, Brian Kirshner, live bet him i think at 50 to one maybe it was like friday oh. and and we all we all mocked him he got ripped on twitter and <laughs> you know it looked like maybe people were gonna be eating their crow on sunday he's still yeah. in the lead um freaking martin trainer and you know we joke how tough to take some of the golf.com guys are with the martin trainer stuff cp <laughs> was like it seems like you know this guy freaking won the masters the way they're talking about right. it yeah, love, love Sean. Don't, don't drag, don't drag me into this. Yeah, I mean, well, drag you know, no state secrets. It's healthy rivalry with our friends over at golf.com. Yeah. But <laughs> it would have been insane. You're right, a 2001 long shot. I mean, I don't even know what the equivalent is in another sport. You know, so um, he did not get it done. Well, no, that's a good. 
Yeah, that's a good question. No, I was going to say though to put it, I mean to put it in perspective, um I believe Todd Hamilton when he won the 2004 Open was 500 to 1 right, right. and Derek Ernst who's often considered the biggest long shot and it, actually their ranking were very similar. I think yeah. trainer was somewhere around 1300 Ernst was like 1200 something, but he was just a young guy starting out. Right. He was 500 to one when he won at quail hollow. Right. Um, so 500 to one, I mean, you know, we were joking the week before bill Haas was at the bottom of the board right. at 500 to one. I mean, you just don't even see guys much more than that. And, and when you do, it's, it's a, it's an amateur, um, you know, it's a guy who's right. just right. over his Owen head, Brown, you know, like a at Bermuda, right? Like, yeah, a senior guy who gets a rare, like a sponsor exemption, yeah. you know, uh, it, it's not a guy who's won, you know, within the last three years on right. tour. I mean, that's what's so crazy about it. So, I, I he will not, he will not be 2001 again going forward. I mean, that's that's for sure. That was a little dangerous. Although, like you said, Steve, no, no one was betting on this guy, right. but um, yeah, that was that was pretty wild. Uh, one of the other big stories. Of course, uh, we'll get to Kokrak in a second, but but Scotty Scheffler, you know, he plays himself into contention again. It looks like it's going to be his tournament to win. Um, I know we talk about him all the time. CP, I mean, are you worried at all about this guy? It just seems like it's kind of crazy with all the great golf that he's played that he is still winless on the PGA Tour. Definitely not worried, especially because of his results in some of the bigger events. So he's obviously got the, the gumption to contend but um yeah i wrote this in the odds post the other day i mean if, if recent history is any indication you know eventually he'll get it done i don't know if it'll be this week i'm not going to bet on it at 10 to 1 but abraham answer sam burns all these guys t- yeah. tony fee now i know he had a win already but it was that win at liberty was kind of like his has felt like his first win so right. uh, you do it enough times and you're as talented as scheffler um i think he'll eventually do it but yeah it's tough it's definitely tough to watch and bet on a guy like him constantly uh, putting up T5s when when you know he's he can win. Well, yeah, I mean, just he just has to look to the guy who won. I mean, Jason Kokrak, pretty crazy. First 232 starts on tour, no wins. Three wins in his last 28 starts. That is some serious cookage right now. Uh, Tom, I wonder, did, did you have uh, – Anything on the Houston Open, uh, or, or was it all Dubai money that you were playing with last week? What did yeah. you think about Kokrak? So I wasn't successful uh, in in Houston. Uh, I had Matthew Wolf, and and that sort of fell apart wow. on the right at the start of the round. It, and then when he made that hole in one, I allowed myself to get a little bit excited, and, <laughs> and that wasn't really worth it. You know, he gave up a lot of holes where he could have scored well. Um, right. But I think you get that with Matthew Wolf, right? He's kind of volatile, and, and yeah. I kind of like that about his game. Like that's a good thing to have. Um, we know the upside of Matthew Wolf. That it does worry me, Scotty Scheffler, a little bit. I, I think that because it, it just seemed to go so wrong, like you know, back to back bogeys, like on the back nine, and and you do start to wonder. And eventually, talent's just going to play out, right? It does with Tony Fee now. It has with Sam Burns. It's eventually done it with Jason Kokrak. But but to me, with Jason Kokrak, he just probably wasn't quite as talented as the Scotty Scheffler was. So it wasn't, you know, while it was overdue, Scotty Scheffler certainly seems to be throwing things away. And it's, it's a slightly different uh, look at it. And I don't want to dive straight in on him because, you know, he's what is he, 25, 26 years of age. You know, it's 
there's plenty of time ahead. You know, Kokrat's 36 and won three times in 13 months. And uh, the guys that I'm going to list this week are a bunch of guys that are looking for a win. So um, plenty of time ahead, but it, it was quite telling. It's funny, you say Martin Trainer probably won't be 2001 again. He could probably be 4001 and I probably wouldn't bet him. Um, he, <laughs> he, he is not good at golf. Like I, I honestly don't, even, even the week that he's just had, he wasn't uh, good. Like he had two yeah. really good rounds. Um, and it looked horrible on Sunday. And it looked, you know, he was walking through the ball. I mean, I'm no golf expert. I am terrible at golf, but he's meant to be good at it. And, and, he, and he isn't. Um, so it, it surprised me. I think the best thing I saw was like, you look back through his OWGR, and I think he's made like 10 cuts career. Um, yeah. And his best finish since that win was a 34th in a 34-man field. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not good. Um it's great though. I mean, look, I don't want to ever dig out a guy like that because if he can make some money winning golf tournaments when when he probably shouldn't, then it was it would have been really damning for Scotty Scheffler if Martin Trainer had won. That's what I would That's say. for sure. Yeah. If you That's bet on true. Scheffler and you got beat by Martin Trainer, yeah. I mean you might give up betting on golf forever. So. <laughs> yeah. But you meant I mean, Steve, I know we you know, we're talking about this. I mean, Kokrak, you know, shoots that 41. Uh, early Saturday morning yeah. when he's finishing up the second round, he's 10 shots behind the leaders. He had, he said after that he almost withdrew before the event because he was playing so poorly. And when yeah. he won, he kind of said, how did I, I forgot what he, he muttered something like, how did I win with that nine holes? I mean, he, right. he completely lost it for nine holes and yet he still won going into the weekend, Steve. I mean, you could have gotten some pretty insane odds on him. Yeah. And Saturday afternoon after those struggles, he was 601. I saw 601. So mid tournament, mid tournament after that stretch. And, crazy. you know, it's college football Saturday here in the States. We're paying attention to, to college football mostly rather than golf. So unfortunately, I wasn't paying attention to that. 601 is insane. It's something we've seen a couple of times. These guys come back from like way back, you know, on a Saturday, you could get you know, 501, yeah. I think Hideki, when he finished runner up one of these weeks, he was similar to that. Um, I guess that was uh, St. Jude when he lost in the playoff to answer. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, insane, yes. insane. And I, I'm pissed too. Cause Kokrak, I was on him his last win in boy. Texas. Yeah. That's my boy. Jeff Feinberg was on him. Rick Gaiman has just been printing units uh, this fall season. Um, so we got to turn this around CP. We got to, we gotta make some cashies. Yeah. All these other I'm ready. Guys. I'm ready for uh, this fall swing to end. To be quite honest with you. Well, it's gonna end this week, at least on the yeah. PGA Tour. And of yeah. course, we're gonna talk to Tom about uh, the DP World Tour Championship uh, over in Dubai as well. So, and it's gonna end in the LPGA. I don't know if we're we're betting on that, but don't bet on Lexi Thompson. That uh, we we learned that the hard way this year. CP learned that lesson. U.S. Open. I mean, the putt she missed down the stretch the other day were astounding and how she didn't win she must have been 99 to win the tournament 99 oh my god i mean she had a two-shot lead with 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 uh, a three-foot putt coming for par on 17 oh and she god. lost the tournament or a three-shot lead i mean it's like almost impossible yeah she missed the putt and then corda goes birdie she missed a four-footer for par on 18 so she gave up three shots like that. And then she had a 
six footer for birdie to keep it going bricks that doesn't even touch the hole just incredible anyway we're not even going to talk about the open no. let's get to the rsm classic it is the final official event you know of course there will be the hero world challenge and there'll be other things uh the rest of the way but this is the final official full field pga tour event uh rsm classic I can't believe it's been two years since I was there. It was a, it was a good time. I can't believe that big boat. I find, I was looking this up for the grind today, that big boat, uh, the golden Ray that capsized that uh, you could see off the, I think the 10th tee there on the uh, plantation course is finally gone. The it's the biggest cleanup of a shipwreck in us history. It took over two years to move this boat that you could just see it was, it was incredible so anyway that landmark or sea mark whatever you want to call it is, is gone We've got the rsm classic here we got two courses steve tell us a little bit about uh what we're expecting at sea island i know you you've been to sea island steve right I have a couple times yeah. to cover the event it, it's one of the best tournaments to, to great get. event great of tournament to cover the vibe great. the vibe is great um so relaxed so it's a perfect last event uh to the year on the pga tour but yeah we got the two course set up you mentioned the plantation course the seaside is where you know if you make the cut the weekend will be that's a par 70 um just over seven thousand yards and the plantation's a par 72 um also just over seven thousand yards that's the one where davis love the third did a renovation in 2019 it's got some good bones you know walter travis uh original and then reese jones um came in dl3 so it's kind of all over the map but you know good second course to the seaside which fazio touched um in the 2000s it played as the 11th easiest course on tour last year um so you know it's always wind dependent that's what we see with these links courses obviously um but really massive greens because of the wind you know because it can play really tough so if the wind is not up you know, it tends to be a decent birdie fest, uh, 7,200 square feet on average, these greens, um, you know, to me, and I'll kick it to Tom for what he's looking at. I'm isolating the 400 to 450 yard par four range on fantasy national. Um, there's 10 holes that I've bucketed into that range. You know, there's one that's like 454 yards or something like that, but, um, you know, basically there's 10 of those holes. So I'm weighing that pretty heavily um so i'll just read quick uh the guys who uh rank out really well in that category over the last 24 rounds this is again per fantasy national so uh that's 50 rounds let's see last 24 we got tyler duncan number one adam scott number two adam scott's 40 to one by the way talk about him in a second Alex Noren has competed, uh, contended here in the past. T3 with Mito Pereira, my guy. Uh, Tom Hoagie, fifth. Scott uh, Gachowski, the former Corn Ferry guy. He's like, oh, Hank, Hank from Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> Great comparison. <laughs> Love that. He's sixth. Okay. Corey Connor, seventh. Keegan, eighth. JJ Spawn, eighth. And CP's boy. Patrick Rogers, 10th. We were joking with CP, by the way, before we started recording, because Tom's got his Docker. background uh, with the, you know, his boy lifting the trophy on the Euro tour. It would be great if CP could have a similar background, but Patrick Rogers needs to win a, needs to win a trophy. To go back to his college days for that. Yeah. Stanford. This week, CP is going to happen. I've got Love a, it. I've got a good oh, 
There we go. You and Dave Tendall. That's that's a solid little one-two punch on on Easy. Patrick Rogers this week. Yeah, yeah, blame him if it goes wrong. You know, it's just... <laughs> this is like this is so easy to project CP's picks this week. It's a Patrick Rogers week. It's a Kevin Kisner week. Just mm-hmm. wrap it up there. But Tom, yeah. I, I talked a little about the courses. What, what are you looking at um, in terms of you know what the most important things are this week at Sea Island? Yeah, I mean, you know, every week you kind of just put in strokes gain approach, don't you? Um, but I think you can isolate it to kind of 125 to 150. I think there'll be a lot of wedges here. 150 is 175. It's never going to get much longer than that on this golf course. Um, guys that putt well on Bermuda and, and driving accuracy could, you know, could be beneficial here. I know that you can get out of the rough, but I think just ha- having those chances to set up on those greens is, is quite vital. So um, I kind of, I kind of, avoid stats a little bit just because i know everybody's gonna be doing that i know that sounds stupid but i follow the strokes gate approach but i try and find a different way what i end up doing is completely paralyzing myself by looking at all these correlating courses um and then i just convinced myself people like max homer was going to win last week um but it's yeah i mean look, I, I just looked at courses that i think were just really similar i think you see an awful lot of crossover and, and they'll be mentioned a lot you know st jude classic tbc southwind um, you know, Ben Crane won at both events. Heath Slocum was fourth and sixth at the St. Jude and won here. Brian Gay won the St. Jude and was third here. Uh, and Webb Simpson's been runner up at the WGC in St. Jude um, and has, you know, he's basically done everything but win here. Um, same sort of story with uh, Colonial. Kevin Kisner won at Colonial and won here. Chris Kirk has a win and a top five at Colonial and won here. And Tommy Ganey is a third at Colonial one here. You know, when Tommy Ganey kind of flashes in two places, it kind of uh, brings up the things. And it it goes on like that, Heritage, Honda, Sony. And and strangely, I've brought out Greenbrier as well, which I don't think actually has any relevance, but I did like to bring it in there somehow. Bill Huss, Kevin Kisner, and Robert Streb have all won here and all finished runner-up at Greenbrier. And Austin Cook has a top five at the Greenbrier and won here as well. So... You know, it, there could be something. But I think the, the main thing for me is that you, you want a guy from the South, right? You know, ev- everyone that wins here has kind of got some sort of Southern ties. They always focus on the Sea Island boys, the Georgia guys, but basically everyone is tied to the South in some way or another. Um, you know, so I'm not going to go through the list, otherwise I'll be here all day. But, um, you know, there, there's plenty to like about that. And, and that's how I paralyze myself and get stuck on maybe four or five golfers each week. All right. Well, let's take a look at uh, some of the favorites here. We start with Scotty Scheffler, who we were talking about before, still looking for that elusive first win. He is the favorite, 10 to 1 odds. Uh, Webb Simpson, 12 to 1. Cam Smith, 14. Louis Oosthuizen, 16. Corey Connors, 22. And then a couple guys at 25 to 1. Russell Henley, a couple Georgia guys, dogs, CP's week here. Russell Henley and Harris English, both 25 to one odds. So CP, I'll let you take it there to start. Uh, Like uh, Tom was saying, it's a big Georgia week. It's a big Southern week. Uh, Any of these guys, uh, guys you're going to be looking at. Yeah. Can't go wrong with a a dog this week. I'm not looking at anyone you said specifically. Um, Gotcha. Scheffler gets it done. Great. Happy for him, but uh not betting at 10 to one been a quiet fall for Webb Simpson. Um, nobody would be surprised if he finishes T seven here, but um, I don't know. Just hasn't, hasn't really shown up since Wyndham. Connor seems like a good play, but we haven't seen him since Shriners. So no idea where his game's at. Um, 
who else did you say? Ustazen's best club as putter has been ice cold in his last few starts, so I'm going to stay away from that. Cam Smith's recent form is pretty terrifyingly good, but uh, I don't don't love it at 14 to one. And then Harris English, you mentioned Jordy Dog. I think he had the worst putting performance of his career at Shriners, and that was after they uh, made him switch his grip up. So oh, that would worry. Yeah. That would worry me on Harris mm. English. So um, I'll wait to get to my Georgia Bulldog uh, a little further down down the board. Let Tom and Steve take over here if they if they like anybody. Ahead, yeah, I mean, for for me at the top it was Russell Henley, right? You know, he's he's hitting his irons basically the best of anyone, certainly in this field, but. Know, behind maybe Morikawa, Justin Thomas, people like that, he he is just absolutely striping it. And he's very similar to someone like Bernd Wiesberger over in the European soil. They're just absolutely flushing it tee to green um, and just can't seem to get it done on, on the greens. But Russell Henley, I think he had two rounds last week where he was in the top five in putting. I think it was third and fifth. And it was just kind of that final day where everyone's kind of watching and you're going, oh, Henley can't putt, um, which is, is, of course, true in contention at the moment. Um, but I think just seeing that uh, kind of puts... A little bit of bias towards him not being able to do it but you, you just look he's got um so some decent finishes here in the past and you know he's just played everywhere you know the fourth sixth and tenth he's had here in the past is great multiple top tens at the heritage two top fives at the greenbrier again don't know if that's relevant um and a seventh from st jude as well so everything strikes me he's got those two wins at the sony and the honda which obviously we flashed up as correlative courses everything suggests that russell henley's going to win at some point soon um, it is just a pass that's holding him back, and it's just it's volatile at the moment as opposed to terrifying. So it's it's a good thing to uh, to have on board. I think. Yeah, that's a good call, Tom. It's interesting that he had two missed cuts here in 2019 and 2018, but it, it really feels like his game's just on another level. Um, you know, in the last 18 months or so. So I like the Henley call for sure. There's some value there with the former George Bulldog. Another George Bulldog we talked about was Harris English. He had such a weird history here. Um, up till last year, he had his top 10, but the previous years, I think he had missed like two of his last three cuts. Um, it just feels like some value at 30 to one compared to some of the other guys like Corey Connors, you know, has only won once and it was a decently long time ago. So, you know, that feels like some value. Um, Scheffler, like you said, CP, if he gets it done, you just kind of tip your cap. Um, he did have the top five or top 10, whatever, uh, in 2019 here coming in on the form. So he's rightfully the favorite with Webb, but um, I stayed off Scheffler last week. That almost bit me. I'm going to stay off him again, just because there's so many of these mid-range guys that I'm kind of in love with. And I think I've already bet six of them. Um, really kind of searching for that last win of uh, 2021 here. So yeah, not, none of these uh, top range guys for me. All right. Uh, there's a group at 35 to one, at least that I'm seeing Taylor Gooch, Adam Scott, Joaquin Neiman, Kevin Kisner, you know, he's a lot of people are either for or against him this week. Uh, uh, Alexander Norin, which is CP's boy, actually. And then we can actually say that now because they, they played together at least a couple of <laughs> yeah, holes. actually accurate. Yeah. Uh, Alex Norin. Uh, and then uh, Chris Kirk, who I'm sure CP is betting on. That's the dog he's been Facts. saving. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Justin Rose, 50 to one. Joel Damon, 50 to one, Mac Hughes, 50 to one. I'll cut it off there. So um, CP is Kirk, the guy, is that who you were waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. Predictable. Seemed, seemed like the square play going in, but that, that seems to have shifted to Kisner this week. Yes. And uh, very I'm surprised a lot of the, a lot of the numbers guys on Kisner 
who has been like absolutely horrible uh, on approach and with yeah. the putter since yeah. Yeah. uh Wyndham. So I don't really get, I mean, you know, he's, he's the classic um, kind of figured out at, at a course he likes and fits his eye. And that's obviously this course, but I don't know for a bunch of numbers guys to be on a guy with terrible numbers of late kind of um, is confusing to me. So um, it's definitely Kirk for me. I can't, you know, I've said it for the past month, Kirk at RSM, Kirk at RSM. So I'm obviously going to bet on it. Do I wish it was 60 or 70 to one? Yes, but uh, we'll have to settle 45 to one RSM guy. He's where's the RSM logo on his hat. So he's got that played well here in the past, Georgia connection, all that. Um, and a plus player in, in every major strokes gain category over his last uh, 20 tournaments per fantasy national. So um, trending in the right direction. Hopefully it's been a while since he's won, you know, he's had the off course issues. So it'd be nice to see him um, get back in the winner circle. And then Andy Lack actually texted me yesterday. It's Alex Noren week. So I will be betting on it. I don't really need to explain <laughs> it much further. And then, <laughs> The last guy, I, I'm pretty intrigued by Taylor Gooch again because he's, he went backwards down to 35 to one here just because of a bad weekend. And everyone seemed to have a, a bad weekend in Houston. So little drift on Gooch. Um, everyone's allowed a couple bad weeks. He was one of the hottest players on tour. Um, and I think he played well in the first round last week too. So um, back up to 35 to one, little value on Gooch. So Gooch, Norin, and Kirk. I, I'm living in Love this that. mid-range this week, which obviously Steve is too. Yeah. It, on Kiz, uh, our, our friend Steve Bamford had a great line. He's like, I would imagine the last couple weeks, months, he's just been shooting turkeys and going fishing. <laughs> he hasn't picked yeah. up many golf clubs. So I'm kind of dogs, the covering machine, Georgia Bulldogs, watch some football. So I'm, I'm in that same opinion. Uh, you know, I think Tom put it out on Monday. You know, this is Kevin Kisner FOMO week. I, I'm going to have FOMO if it doesn't get done. And that's okay. Again, because I like so many of these guys in this range. So I'm going to go on and on. Um, Gooch, I'm with you there. CP, no need to explain it. Although his uh, course history here isn't great. This just seems like the, the a great course for him. And if you bet on him 35 to 1 in Houston, much better field. Don't you have to bet him here at like 40 to 1? I'm on that. Um, Adam Scott too, which some people were on last week, 40 to one at the RSM. You just got to like take a step back, I think. And Adam Scott at Sea Island at 40 to one just seems like kind of an auto bet. Um, the win equity is there. And I look at my model. He's, let's see, I think he's fourth in my model. The only thing he does get third. The only thing he doesn't do well is hit fairways, which Tom Agreed it was important, but he's second in par four scoring in that range. I talked about 12th in strokes gain approach, both in the last 24 rounds. You know, he, he just has the firepower where, you know, if he kind of clubs down and doesn't try to hit driver in a spot, he shouldn't. I mean, you know, he's Adam friggin' Scott at the RSM. Let, let's get real here. 40 to one. Um, so I'm going to bet that I haven't bet Adam Scott in a very long time. I'm going to do it this week. I'm glad oh, to hear boy. it. I know. Burn, burn me. He turned a burn me. Burns last me Thursday, up. he turned a. He's the only player who can turn a 64 into a 68 oh, with yeah. his putter. It's, it's absolutely. I will not be watching so or following his round because of infuriating. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do yeah. it to yourself. No, <laughs> but um, I'm on him. I'm on Alex Noren as well. CP, I'm glad to hear Andy is on him too. Um, I guess that's it. Then the, my other guys are further down. So I'll kick it to you, Tom. Anyone else? Uh, you like here? I think just importantly on Kevin Kisner was kind of like when he was 50 to one, it was like, I'll just, I'll just bet him because 
I, I so I write a lot of my articles up before the odds come out and you know, I kind of predict where everyone's going to be so I can make sure my selections are ready. Um, and Kevin Kisner kind of just never came into my mind because I thought he was going to be 28 to 1, 33 to 1, and, right. and basically unbettable with the way he's playing. And when he was 50 to 1, I was like, you might as well just go and bet him because there's probably four courses a year, maybe three, that, that Kevin Kisner can win on. And he just circles them and turns up. And he said yeah. he said it in the last he said that he can't win whatever major, every major, he couldn't go there. And you know, like you say, it's very accurate. He probably is just going out and shooting and, and, and not really doing a lot else. I think he had a charity event on Monday, I think I think I saw as well, uh, with Colt Most and people like that. So probably just got hammered there. He's, he's a good old boy, is Kevin Kisner. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's too much practice going on. Um, I like a lot of the Kirk um, the shouts along there, really. I've actually circled him as a first round leader. It's one of the articles that mm. I do. Mm. Um, he's playing on the seaside course in the first round, which... Suggests he won't be the first round leader, um, but he shot nine under at the plantation to lead after in 2017. And I think the gap, and I don't know about you guys, but I think the gap between the plantation and, and the seaside course is actually closing now they've done that renovation when Davis Love came in. So I don't yeah. necessarily think it's a death sentence that he's now um, on the seaside course. So I think that'd be an interesting way to play him. Eventually those odds will come out. Interesting. Um, Charles Howell, 60 to one, former winner here. Seamus Power, recent winner, 60 to one. Keegan Bradley, also 60 to one. Brendan Todd, 60 to one. Steve's boy, Mito Pereira, 60 to one. Uh, and then Max Homa. I mean, the guy's uh, one of the highest ranked players in the field here. He won three starts ago. He's 65 to one. That's kind of jumping out at me. And then you got Johnny Vegas, Danny Lee, Matt Kuchar, another Sea Island Mafia guy. Uh, 65 to one, uh, Robert Streb, who won here. I know he daggered CP so bad a couple oh, of years or last year, last year, year. Oh, just brutal dagger, <clears throat> um, dagger after dagger. He's 71. I'll, I'll cut it up there. CP, uh, if you want to, uh, retell that story. I mean, wow, that was something. I don't, that was, okay. <laughs> His that was tough. Now, now I'm, now I'm, now it's all coming back. That was brutal. Well, I, I'll say that. too, I, I got crushed last year too, because last year was when I made the lock. Webb Simpson top 10 <laughs> lock pick bet a hundred bucks. Only time you didn't top 10 here. Yeah. Only time ever. And, and he never was even really close. He kind of was like just T30 the whole way, but anyway, but, it, but then it looked like you were going to win uh, with kids and somehow Streb just stole that Streb. thing. Uh, pretty Kiz crazy. had a bunch of short putts at the end that he missed. Yep. Very un, uncharacteristic. I recall still got into the playoff and, Right, but he um he avenged it at Wyndham for me, and that that six man whatever it was. That's right. Playoffs, so that's right. That's um, right. It ended up uh, being okay. But yeah, but yeah. You there any... said um you mentioned Homa that that Homa. jumped off the page to me too. I didn't bet it yet. I don't know if I will. Maybe top twenty. I think it's plus two seventy five on on DraftKings. That's a really good top hmm. twenty number for like you said a player of his caliber. That number seems crazy. Um, Danny Lee too. I feel like we might want to ride that hot hand. He's gone second and seventh. And mm. I think the second was like on his last major medical start or, or second to last, or yeah. he only had a few left, whatever. And he kind of, you know, somebody asked him like, Oh, is, I forget what the question was, but it was like, Oh, is this all, you know, do you feel like you're, I don't know. He just got like a little pissed off. He was like, I'm, I'm trying to like play really good right now. Obviously I'm not just showing up to top 30 or whatever. So um, I think you got to got to ride that Danny Lee hot and especially at 65 to one, given his last, his last two starts. And then yeah, home at two and Patrick Rogers down here at 81 will be uh will be a bet I make as well. 
riding the Danny Lee hot hand. That's that's. I don't. Cool. I think I think you gotta. Maybe first round leader bet for Danny Lee. You really think he's gonna beat this field, Danny Lee? Didn't wait. Didn't he's hot. Something about uh Greenbrier before. Yeah. Mm. Danny Lee. I, I I've put him in my outright selections, Danny Lee. Uh, oh, no. Second and second and the seventh oh, recently. Oh boy. Uh, the win at the Greenbrier, which could you know be pointless, but I've put it in there. Uh, sixth at the Colonial as well. His further support of that, and you look at where he's played well in those two weeks. His Bermuda and Mexico. Uh, you know, kind of coastal, a little bit windy. Um, you know, he's back on Bermuda Greens now, and I haven't got the splits of, of how he performs on there. But I think Danny Lee's just a guy that, you know, he it's very clear that he was just injured, like he was just hurt. And and he's he's, he's got a lot of upside. He's won on tour, he's won on the European tour, or gone close at least. Um, you know, so I certainly think he is um, someone to be looking out for. It did. It felt like a bit of a lower number than I wanted to take in the field uh, in relation to everybody else, but... You know, I, I just kind of liked him, and, I, and I've tried to try and not be put off just by odds. These so like because yeah. you know, I think he's going to win, and he's sixty to one. Why would I pass it up? You know, if I wanted him to be eighty or hundred, you know, it kind of feels a little bit silly. So um, he did actually win on the European Tour, you know, back in two thousand nine. So it, it's kind of ridiculous to think that that's how long ago he was uh, succeeding. Um, yeah, I mean, he was kicker. Camp when he was whatever, yeah. 16, 17. So he's but he the pedigree's there, and, and if it's a good course for him, then that, that's great as well. Um, but I'll let someone else kick off the Patrick Rogers before I tail in with my uh, two pence on him. That's all, CP. I got some other guys, but no, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I guess we should get to yeah, Rogers. I'm not going to give you any reason or... besides it's Patrick Rogers, and I'm betting on him for the <laughs> million. Yeah, it's Patrick time. Rogers. Well, we... <laughs> Could we do a little exercise and assignment, a little homework assignment? Could you go back and calculate how much you bet on Patrick Rogers in your life? I could. I could. I'm not going to. Do you think you bet over $1,000 on him? Probably. Way over. I mean, the the thing is, he's always, you know, 100 to 1. So maybe $5, $10 every time. I've never Right. You're not betting. What? Enough times. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's a G note. Wow, it's tough. I mean, we all have the guys like that. I have to edit that out for my mother or wife. Right, you just, I know, when you when you lay it all out like that, it's like, it's kind of a yeah, shocking it's over time. number. It is over time. It's entertainment. It's um, like, you know, calculating it back. how much you spend on coffee a year. You right, know, that's, exactly. That's the money you spend on. I've got the, oh, I, I love using that machine. example. Yeah. 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 That is exactly how I justify every bet I make. Is oh, yeah. I couldn't buy a coffee for this, so let's just go ahead and do it. Yeah. I could win two hundred bucks, and yeah. it's like, yeah. I mean, true. it doesn't. It's not the case when it's Patrick Rogers normally. Um, <laughs> but, but, but being serious a little bit about Patrick Rogers for a moment is that he had that chance, didn't he, in, in 2018 when he lost in a playoff to Charles Howe, and he shot that final round yeah. 62, and it kind of feels like that's the fashion he would win in. Like he would come from behind and do it, which, which is. Which is sad to think because the pedigree of him at, at university was was incredible. You know, all the comparisons that are made to him and it, it's absolutely ridiculous. But fourth and sixth this season already um, can bounce back from a miscut in Mexico absolutely fine. That was his second top 10 at this golf course when he finished second. So uh, I am definitely on the Patrick Rogers train. It was the perfect way for he loses to the guy who never wins two years ago, yeah. Charles Howe. Never wins, but that's the guy that beats. Him. If they could have both well, lost, who did he just, just lose to in uh, uh, oh, in Bermuda? Lucas, right? Lucas. I mean, 
come on. I mean, that was there for the taking. I oh, mean, yeah. if you're not going to win Besides that Besides that one, it's been, I mean, he was on the wrong end of Bryson's explosion at John. Um, this is my, I'm working on the 30 for 30 someday of Patrick Rogers. <laughs> it's on the wrong end of Bryson shooting a 30 on the back nine at John Deere. He, oh, okay. I think he, he contended at Quail Hollow the year that Rory shot like 60, mm. 60 on the weekend. So it's like he runs, either runs into a buzzsaw or Charles Howell wins for the first time in 15 years. Right. Or, yeah. he, or he, you know, <laughs> shoots one under on the weekend and against the Corn Ferry Tour field in Bermuda. That's yeah. not going to make the 30 for 30. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, well, I think right. my, my Patrick yeah, Rogers, go for it, Steve. My Patrick Rogers is going to be Mito Pereira. Hopefully not in 18 months. I'm still, you know, betting Mito Pereira and sinking money into him. However, 75 to one on Mito. He's still number one in my model for all the things he does great. Um, I don't need to tell people. It's all these things, making birdies, approach. He does everything. So 75 to one, you know, I'm going to keep betting it at this point. I'm pot committed. It worked out in Napa because it allowed me to hedge with Homa. Um, but that was my last cash, I think, of, of the year, other than my first round leader bet uh, on Sahit the Gala. So we're looking for the win and who better to do it with than, uh, than Mito. So I'm on Mito. Um, and then just want to go back to a couple of guys because I, I do really like this range. Mac Hughes at 66 to one, former winner here. Um, this just feels like the course that he could win at. Uh, he also had a top five at the CJ Cup. Um, so he's coming in with a little form. So Mac Hughes, you know, on a, on a course, you need to make a bunch of birdies. He's one of the best putters out there. Um, so I am on Mac Hughes, Keegan Bradley. I'm surprised CP didn't mention him because I think we were on him first round leader here last year. I remember sweating a bunch of putts of his, um, I think he like, did he, maybe he was first round leader. I'm forgetting. Um, I don't know, I, but I, I would have remembered if I did that. So that might've just been you. Yeah. Okay. I forget if that cash or not. I don't think it did. Um, Anyway, I think that's the way to bet Keegs. Uh, and then Joel Damon, interestingly, is 66 to one. He shot a 65 on Sunday in Houston, a shorter course where you need really good wedge play. Like Tom said, that feels like the perfect recipe for, for Joel Damon. Um, one in Punta Cana earlier this year on a coastal course. I think you got to fire up Damon. Uh, first round leader bet too, because he tends to start off hot. Um, so those are my guys before we go real deep into the odds. Yeah, just yeah. just before we move on there, it, uh, it was Camilo Vajegas and Matt Wallace mm. that led after round one last year. Um, but I really like Joel Damon, and I think I think the good thing about Joel Damon is that everyone's going to look at his course form and see that it's pretty average. I think his best finish is kind of like tied thirty seven, tied thirty four, or something like that. But I've, as we speak, I'm kind of well, not literally, but I've been writing up my first round leader article, um, and Joel Damon's on there because um, you know he. He played really well in Houston on Sunday. He drove the ball incredibly well all week. I think he hit over 80% of the fairways, nearly 70% of the greens. Um, and you look at his opening rounds in this event, you know, he's been pretty terrible generally, but he's got 66 and a 64. Uh, the 64 coming in 2017, which was on the plantation. But I look back at last year, because I thought the Seaside course was a bit of a death sentence for him. He shot 61 at Seaside course last year in round wow. two, if, if, if I remember correctly, uh, looking that up. So I think Joel Damon is worth... Certainly a first round leader, but and certainly uh, maybe even a top twenty and, and DraftKings and things like that. But uh, Matt Kuchar was the other name that I heard floating around there, and I think mm -hmm. he's coming back to a little bit of form 
Um, again, I think he's kind of a top 20 fantasy player. I don't, I don't really want to back him outright. Um, but, but I certainly think Matt Kuchar is coming back into his four. And this is a sort of course that hasn't, hasn't been that great to him, but makes no sense to why it hasn't. Like this should be a perfect course for Matt Kuchar. Right. Um, all right. Let's do a couple deep shots then. Maybe this is our, our your spicy nug here. Uh, for me, by the way, Sebastian Munoz sticking out a little at 100 to 1. Very hit or miss guy of late. But when he does play well, he's he's had a couple top fives uh, recently. And I remember him playing in the final group here a couple mm. years ago uh, when, when Tyler Duncan came out of nowhere and just took this thing from Webb Simpson. But uh, anyway, um, all right. So I'll send it back to Steve. You go first. Um, spicy Nug or, or Deep or DFS. Oh, also, Steve, you know, the Charlie Hoffman thing last week brought up another wrinkle I wanted to mention with DFS. You know, a late withdrawal here. Uh, what can be done? You know, I think like 20% of line, people are going crazy. Yeah. Uh, like 20% of lineups had him in there. And then, you know, those guys automatically are screwed. I mean, what that's, that's a, a real flaw in the system right now. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's something that DFS players have talked about for years and it's gotten better in terms of information, you know, when Louie withdraws because of a bad back early Thursday morning, like the tour is getting better at getting that out there. However, you know, in, DraftKings, like your lineup locks right in when the first tee, uh, when the guy tees off on the first tee. So yeah, that's for right. a lot of people. Um, I don't know if there's a way for like DraftKings to make an exception where if someone withdraws like that, you could sub him out for someone who hasn't teed off. Would love to see that happen. Um, you know, something. It, I have, I have a, I have a story idea that I want to do someday. Does golf need an injury report? Like. Well, yeah. the other sports. I mean, Pat Mayo's NFL. You gotta, you gotta say, I'm questionable this week. I'm probable. Right. You know, my arms hurt. Right. Like they were, every every Sunday that, night, though, every Monday morning, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I you mean, know, that's interesting. See, people. What about a guy like Kokrak who almost just withdrew right. because he was hitting it like shit on the range? Like that. That that's would be uh, you know, that things that like that. Could questionable, still happen. Questionable not to turn up playing like shit. Yeah. You know, that, that's a pretty easy thing to fit in. Um, you know, Jason Day <laughs> would live on that form. Um, he would. You know, Louis would. Louis would be questionable for back each week. So, um, you know, there, there's plenty of things. I did that see would... one idea that they would kind of just replace the guy that's been yes, drawn with the, guy with the first all Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you'd be pretty bummed if it was someone terrible, like a, a 60-year-old that hasn't played for 20 years. But, <laughs> right. you know, it's better than having five out of six, right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think CP, it's a great idea. I know Pat Mayo's talked about it. I don't think that would ever happen just because you have like 156 individual guys, like getting <laughs> all of those guys to say to the tour, like, Hey, I'm questionable or doubtful. Like it would be ideal. We would love it. And you know, if the tour is going to embrace gambling, like it is, it really should. So it's a good opinion piece. I like it. There you go. <laughs> All right, spicy nugs or really deep guys. Give me a yeah. couple. Uh, okay, I got one um, that I really like. Luke List at 90 to 1. Um, our, our friend Jeff Feinberg put that out there, I think, Sunday or Monday. He said he uh, he made sure he got a lot of money down on the list when the odds came out. Um, and I see it too because List plays really well on these seaside courses. When you don't need driver, his long iron game is so good. Uh, saw that at the Honda when, you know, he lost to JT. So Luke listed 90 to one definitely has my attention. That's not my spicy nug. I think, um, I think I'm going to go back to Mito in terms of a uh, spicy nug, but 
a couple more guys. I forgot. I, I had two more long shots. Matt Neesmith, CP's guy. I don't know if he was on CP's list, but definitely put him on there. He's coming into form again. Really good long iron player um, from the South. Like Tom said, South Carolina guy, so right down the coast. Um, coming into form again with the iron. So Neesmith and then Denny McCarthy, who's kind of trending up um, on a birdie fest course. You know, no better putter on this planet, perhaps in the galaxy than Denny McCarthy. So uh, I think you catch him at like 141. That's an auto bet for me. So um, that's where I'm at. What about you, Tom? Uh, yeah, I love the fact you brought up Luke List. It's my favorite bet of the week. I actually Whoa. had him written up, like I said, that he was the guy that when I wrote all these these pieces up before the odds come out, I kind of expect him to be 50 to 1, right. 66 to 1. And, you know, maybe he's unbettable. And he opened up 110 to 1 at some point uh, over in the UK. Um, it may be a bit of a lazy comparison, but I see him. We've spoken a lot about Jason Kokrak recently. They do very similar things well. Their ball striking is absolutely elite at times. Uh, 36 years of age, exactly the same as Jason Kokrak. It just feels like it might be time for him to break through. Um, you know, his standards since May have been pretty impressive. You know, sixth at the Wells Fargo, fourth at the John Deere, fourth at the Barbasol. And then he had a little bit of a lull, maybe realised that he's Luke List and he's have a bit of time out. Um, but then he went 17th Sanderson, 7th at the Zozo and 11th last week. And, and to be honest, he double bogeyed the last hole at, in Houston as well. So he, he was basically a top five there. Uh, you look, his playoff loss came at uh, Honda to JT. There's no real great shame in that. Third at the Heritage in 2018, missed out in the playoff by one. Uh, he's one in Georgia on the Corn Ferry Tour. Two top tens at the Bay Hill, bit of win there as well. So really for me, there was just everything about Luke List I absolutely loved. Um, I went in a completely different direction for Spicy Nuggets, so I, I, won't, I won't bring it up until a little bit later. But my last long shot was Tyler Duncan. Um, you know, he's yeah. obviously won here before. Um, it's yeah. pretty pretty easy to say that. But apart from his victory here, his, his top five and top ten rates are pretty sparse. But look, he was 13th at the Wyndham, where Kevin Kisner and Webb Simpson play uh, extremely well. 24th at Honda back in 2018, which is a correlating course. And, and after missing the cut, the Fortinet, he's gone 14th, 45th and 29th, which, again, doesn't sound great. But for someone of his ability... Or, you know, his upside is pretty good. And the final round 66, very big with just one hole uh, in Houston, which was actually the 13th, which I think is pretty much the short part for. Um, you know, he's got a little bit of confidence. And it wasn't just the win here. He's got a 25th the year before, where he was eighth after 54 holes as well. And he's actually got six rounds of 67 or better in four starts at this, uh, this event. So I think it's a really good track for him. Thank you guys for holding me on. Luke List might swap. Uh, I was thinking about Keith Mitchell, but uh, another dog. But I, I like I like Luke List. I'm on a different Luke train though. Luke Donald all the way down here at 300 <laughs> oh, to God. one. I think you got to play him in some like top 40, top 20 capacity this week. Um, approach putting. He's you know that's that's kind of Luke Donald's game. Uh, don't have to be in too long to, to win here as, as the past winners have shown. I think he's eight to one to finish in the top 20. He kind of sneakily has two top twenties in his last eight starts. You know, we, we think of Luke Donald as like not even being a, a factor on the PGA tour anymore, but he's playing a lot lately um, and ha has a couple decent um, outings in his last uh, handful of starts. So um, top 20, top 40, uh, that's my spicy nugget. I think Luke Donald plays plays well this week. All right, all right, all right, Tom. 
Let's do a little DP. What should we be looking at? Wait, yeah, Myers, like some mate. Wait, hold on one sec, Tom. You like cut out Myers. Just Wait. record that transitioning it. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I'm getting a thing. It says I'm in here. All right, uh, Tom, let's get a little DP World Tour Championship uh, take from you now. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's an event where the, the temptation will be to play some outsiders. It's a 53-man field. There's guys in good form down the bottom of the odds board. But when you look back over the years, it, it doesn't really happen. Like, the, the winner's list is is pretty elite. Matt Fitzpatrick, John Rahm, Danny Willett, John Rahm, Fitzpatrick, Rory McIlroy. Um, I've said Fitzpatrick twice there, so obviously that makes a, an appeal. I'm not going to go there. Um I think if you're going to go with outsiders, they have to be people that have got clear winning it upside. Um, so Bernd Wiesberg was the first off the board for me. He's uh, He's been incredible tee to green, uh, best in the field over the past 15 weeks. And by a distance as well, the guy after him is Nikolai Hoygaard, which again, he's making his debut. So I, I really like Wiesberger. It's, it's literally just the putter. Um, and when that happens, he'll probably win again. Uh, Dean Burmeister, uh there's not many people that crack the top five here regularly uh, that are you know, not some of the best players in the world. Uh, it's getting deeper again with Rory McIlroy and, and Colin Murakawa in here. And he's a guy that's finished fourth twice and 14th on the third occasion as well. Um, so he's cracked that kind of top five twice on a golf course before he was actually as good as he is now. Uh, he's had a couple of wins this year, which uh, is really beneficial. And he shot 76 uh, in that time when he was 14th as well so for me he, he could be absolutely up for it he did fade away this past weekend but he was within like four shots of lead after the second round and I think it kind of caught up with him traveling from South Africa over to Dubai uh, he's had a week to kind of acclimatize to it and I think that'd be really good and then my other kind of outside selection is Danny Willett and it may be a little bit biased because I won a 100 to 1 ticket on him at, at the Dunhill Links. Um, but when you look at it, he's got a, a first, a fourth and a fifth on his golf course. And he just plays those golf courses that he's you know, been good at in the past really, really well. And, and I think it's literally a case of once you've won the Masters and once you've won eight or nine European Tour events, you have to be able to get up for it. Like when he goes and travels down to like Kenya or, you know, like a really middling PGA Tour event, he's kind of, just, you know, what am I doing here? I've probably just taken a bit of sponsors money. Uh, you know, I just can have a vacation. Whereas when he gets to these sort of events and, and Rory's there, Colin's there, Billy Horshaw, I think he likes to remind people that he's a master champion, right? And, and, and people will say he was lucky that year. And yes, he was, but he is an exceptionally good golfer. And, you know, T to green is very, very good. So for me, Danny Willett on a course that he loves and a part of the world he loves in general uh, stood out for me. He beat Patrick Reed and Matt Wallace by two strokes in 2018 to win that title. Um, so really, really impressive him. And then for me, I didn't really want to go any further down. Garrick Higo has quietly been better than his results suggest. Um, he was really, really good for three rounds in Bermuda, shot 63 in Mexico um, despite playing terribly. But there's a no-cut event. So I think that suits him right down to the ground. Um, second round 77 on his debut here last year and still managed to finish 14th. So I think he's a guy that will just keep going for four rounds. And then my really kind of outside selection would be Jason Scrivener. Uh, he's $6,100, I think, on DraftKings and, and plus 260 for a top 20. Um, top 20 in a 53-man field should be pretty routine. Um, he was 31st last week. 
but he was coming over to Dubai from the Corn Ferry Tour finals. I don't know if you guys saw that, but he shot fine around 63 there. And I think he was just kind of running on fumes. So when you look, he, he had three top nines in the summer uh, over a four-week stretch. He was 23rd at the PJ Championship. He was second to Tyrrell Hatton at the Abu Dhabi Championship uh, earlier this year. And he was 10th in this uh, tournament in 2019 with a, a fine around 65. He's a guy that I think will just, whilst others just don't care, once they can't win, win the race to Dubai, once they can't um, you know, get involved in any way, shape or form, they just give up. And I think he's a guy that goes, well, I'll take a winner's check or you know, a top 10 check and, and get a 65 in there. So I think he'll keep going for a long time. But in terms of the actual event itself, it's going to be kind of, it feels a bit anticlimactic. Like you've got Colin Morikara and Billy Horshaw that are kind of in the driver's seat uh, to, to win the whole thing, which feels a little bit wrong. Um, it doesn't feel like they should be able to do that. Uh, Minwoo <laughs> Lee and Tyrrell Hatton, the guys, and Matthew Fitzpatrick there. And I think the last one is Paul Casey can actually somehow win it. But if Minwoo won it, I think that would be the best scenario of any one of those guys because I think he's just a guy that's played 20 events on the European Tour and really deserves it. Uh, won the Scottish Open before the Open Championship. You know, you can't really argue with Tyrrell or Matt Fitzpatrick, but it feels really, really... I mean, at least Billy Horschel won Wentworth right off flagship event. Morikawa... Yeah, he, he's yeah. not. It, it just seems unfair. So um, that they've got to work that out, and it's not the players' fault, right? You know, they, their agents tell them that they can go and win whatever yeah. the, the the bonus pool is. Uh, come over and play one event. You should do it. There was a little bit of controversy about the fact that Sergio Garcia and Patrick Reed are both playing when they had no right to be there. Right. Um, then you start to say, well, Lee Westwood's not here, and he won it last year, and you know he won the whole thing last year. Sorry. So it's um, it's interesting. I think. I think it's going to be a nice way to just come out of the European Tour and just see what they're going to do with the World Tour next year. Ironically, the event's called DP World Tour and the whole tour's going to be called DP World Tour next year. So it's uh, yeah. it's interesting <laughs> to see how that goes. Yeah, and Jan, and Ra- Jan Rahm obviously withdrawing here, um, which another blow to the whole race to Dubai when, like you said, it's kind of a joke that Kamar Kawaka win or, or even Billy Horschel. Uh, but like you said, what are they going to do? They're not going to turn it down. So uh, it's and, tough. And, and I think the thing is as well, is that if those guys don't turn up right, then you're left with, uh, if Dean Burmester and Minwoo Lee are kind of the star attractions because no one else is allowed right. to play, who's going to tune in? And I think I read that it generates kind of shoot like $45 million this tournament for, for Dubai. So I could be completely making that up. I, I seem to remember that from some sort of podcast in the past. So um, there's every reason for them to be there. It's just... It's not great and it's not a good look for the tour, but that's kind of the European yeah. tour. They're always playing catch up to the PGA. But that's why uh, my ramblings on that event. <laughs> no, we love it. We, we got the expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, all right, guys. Any uh, final thoughts here? My my spicy nugget oh, was Scotty Scheffler to miss the cut. Mm, hey, we got a lot. Of, yeah, we like these missed cut ones. They're, they're and, good. And it feels like it's just, okay, Tom, you're making your debut on the podcast. You're going to come out with some really hot take just for the sake of it. But I think that, and there, there is a little bit of that. I'm not going to lie to you, but I, I just want to be able to say that I was right on him. But for me, like how many times is this guy going to be in contention without any consequences? And we, we see guys that just, if, if he gets to, to, to oh, Thursday, sorry, and shoots a 73, 74, whatever, uh, battles in the wind, doesn't really get anything going. Is he gonna is he gonna try in the second round or is he gonna go right yeah, and shut the, the clubs down? Yeah, like and, yeah. and for me, like I, I don't know if he's like that. I have no idea what his yeah, personality yeah, no, is like. He could be a grinder, but 
for me, like he, he opened with a 72 last week and was 92nd, but it felt like an event that you could kind of climb your way back into. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously you had to shoot a course record to even have that chance. Uh, I just don't think you can keep putting yourself behind the eight ball, especially at this kind of course. So I will take a chance that Scotty Scheffler doesn't care this week. Very nice. I like it. Steve? Steve? I think we should Steve? go full next year. Spicy nugs have to be negative. I, I would, I would, I think that would. We be love the awesome. negative ones. Yeah, they're the best. Social team yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, I have, well, I have a positive one. Mito Pereira going to win a golf tournament. There we go. Very nice. My spicy nug. Wake Forest beats Clemson. <laughs> I was just going to say, well play. What's I that mean, line? Plus four and a it's half. It's four and a half. I'm surprised. Clemson I actually thought it'd be a bigger, bigger line. I know they stink, but they're still going to beat them. Wake had, I mean, they Wake beat them by their, 60 last no, year. I think Wake had, their, uh, Wake had their their sleep week, although they didn't really sleep. They scored 52 points on North Carolina. And then nice bounce-back win. Nice yeah. bounce-back win uh, against NC State. I think uh, they probably think they're, they're telling everyone they still have a path to the playoff. They don't, obviously, but um, that's what they're still playing for, I think. So Clemson sucks. Wake's a very good team. Maybe, you know, Clemson's offense is terrible and maybe Wake's defense, you know, makes them, makes them Clemson again. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I would, I would back Wake there. I also think the over, the over under is like the lowest over under I've seen in a Wake game this year. It's 55 points. I mean, Wake might do that, score that themselves. So, I mean, <laughs> that's a over, that's a lock right there. I think over Clemson the Wake is, uh, Clemson's like one and eight against the spread this year. And I, I bet him last week. Terri- uh, UConn. Wow. Did they they time. end up covering that? No, they missed. By no, they didn't cover. Points. Yeah, they needed. They yeah. had to fake a field goal against UConn. That's how bad Clemson is right now. Jeez. And they scored on it, but you're pulling out fake field goals against UConn. That is really sad. Yeah. Well, I will say, I feel like you new... guys left this till the end because you knew <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really have a take on it, and and I, and I was preparing myself. I was like, I'll quickly look through some results and see what I can come up with. Yeah, do we, should um, we go NFL for you, Tom? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. give us an NFL pick. Yeah, I had a I well, I don't know if I've got any picks this week, but I I had some really terrible beats recently where um, I can't remember if someone I posted it out, but I had like basically like three trebles that I'd won, and one person let me down for a touchdown. And he was the most obvious one. I always do this anytime touchdown bets, which never really okay. Um, so I'll probably avoid those. But it's actually my fantasy team that I've got the most problems with. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley. <laughs> I I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, dog on a guy that's obviously suffering quite badly, and and I've no idea what's going on there. But he, you know, my fantasy team is suffering because of that. Uh, Chris Carson all week was projected like twelve points, uh, and still has IR next to his name. Uh, that was really rough. And then my choice of quarterbacks this week were, or last week were Justin Herbert, who I thought, great, just plug and play him. He'll be brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan was my bench. I think he got 0.38 points. And <laughs> Daniel Jones was on a bye. So I didn't have much luck there. And then Dallas Goddard went out with a, with a concussion. And, and Mike Williams, I think, had less than three points, or maybe 3.3 points. So really? it was pretty tough. It was, it was kind of really, really rough. And ironically, I have been to one college football game. I went to Stanford. Uh, in 2015, uh, and I'm pretty sure McCaffrey. Did you see McCaffrey? I yeah. did. Yeah, wow. I saw McCaffrey. And was it Patrick same... Rogers' day? <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, I, I don't think he was very good. I think uh, just looking now, he averaged 2.9 yards of rush, so he wasn't excellent. Um, 
but Barry Sanders' son was playing as well. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yes. that's and right. We yeah. we was we were sitting in in the stands with the players' parents because we that's how we managed to get tickets. I was working out there, and of course Barry Sanders is just over wow. there, and, and he returned a touchdown. And I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, so that was great. I mean, I don't think Stanford's the biggest like you know football town, and, yeah. and, and you know they don't get the biggest uh, tailgates, but it was a pretty impressive thing to be a part of. So those are my college football experiences. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, Steve. You won five fantasy football contests in the same week by the way i'm I'm not even in fantasy football anymore for the first time since i don't know college and you're in five leagues that's that's insane yeah we we had people over sunday and with a baby i mean maybe maybe that helps maybe that helps because you're kind of just home all the time i don't know well that's true but yeah not paying too much attention um yeah but yeah we we had people over sunday and we had a a guy over who's talking about how many um and I was, I like, I couldn't get a word in because he was just talking about his fantasy team. He's like, are you in fantasy football? I was like, yeah, I'm in five leagues. He's like, oh, well, why didn't you say something? Like, I, I tried. I couldn't get a word in. <laughs> uh, I had fantasy football now on for a reason leading up to uh, kickoff. But yeah, I had to put that on Twitter because, you know, that's, that's just like not going to happen anytime soon that I win five out of five matchups. And awesome. CP won all his three. So I did. And I've had, I've had nice. a rough year. I won a matchup with Russell Wilson as the quarterback. No, seven, how is that seven, possible? The worst game of his career. I was playing my brother, Jack, whose team is 0-10. Did he have Matt Stafford? <laughs> <laughs> I think oh, he yeah. had, uh, oh, he had Aaron Rodgers. He had Aaron Rodgers. Who had, oh, okay. like, they, yeah, he didn't do much either. Yeah. It was, t- it was a tough, tough conditions there. There's no upside yeah. for me in fantasy football because if I win, everyone just rips on me because I'm in a 10-team league and then everyone looks at the, the, the roster construction and go, well, you must be playing with a bunch of, you know, nobodies. And I'm like, look, <laughs> I just I just go on ESPN the day before the season starts and I make a league, I enter one of those random ones where they're named like Los Angeles Pro Heads Ahead or whatever. I don't know who these guys are. I don't buy into it. Um, and, and I just can't win. But I watch uh, the league, the program with, with you know. Oh, great guys show. At, and, yeah, and yeah. Brilliant. So that that's kind of how I uh, how I live my fantasy football. Because if I had five teams, I would uh, I'd get lost. I mean, it's bad oh, enough man. trying to control this one, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I can see why that's pretty impressive. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, guys, it was a lot of fun. Tom, thank you. First time will not be the last time. Love the football takes. Love the European tour takes even more. Of course, CP Steve, fun as always. Thanks again for listening. Please subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Greg Gottfried. And uh, check back next week when we kind of wrap up this whole season. See you.